Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, editor Maduna Christian, joined by Ned Russell, Ned Edward Russell, airlines reporter for Skift and Airline Weekly, as we discuss the new mid-market airplane from Boeing, Airbus and Boeing delivery numbers, and Omicron. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you? I'm good, Madhu. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well. We're in the second week of the new year, and we're getting ready to kick off earnings seasons. But before That's... we get to that, you had a rather interesting story today, um, January 12th, based on a conference you went to in Washington, right? That's right, Madhu. I was able to attend the U.S. National Transportation Research Board's annual meeting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, where I moderated a panel with four luminaries from the aerospace industry covering network, aircraft, uh, airports, and FISAV. And you know, some of the really interesting comments that came out of that was from Richard Abalafia, and he talked a bit about the, the middle of the market and what's happening there with Airbus basically sweeping away with, with orders. Right. Now, for those of you who don't know him, Richard Abalafia was with the Teal Group um, and has a new advisory position. Um, but uh, he has been very, he is a very outspoken analyst of the aerospace industry and famously called the Airbus A380 the last of the aluminum turkeys. But uh, what did he have to say about um, about Boeing at yesterday's event? Well, uh, I want to stay on the uh, the A380 for a second in terms of why he didn't speak specifically with the A380, but he said... Uh, he did have a very colorful comment that he would rather be selling radio radioactive rock than a twin aisle jetliner right now. Ah. So he continues to ban the wide body market. Um, but that's an aside. So in terms of, of the middle of the market, he he basically he said that, that the industry Boeing really is at a pivotal moment where it needs to either basically get in or get or risk essentially getting out of of the middle of the market. And he. He he said it has bigger ramifications for the U.S. airframer uh, so. because if how so so if they don't do something in the middle of the market, not only will they lose that sector, but then they're going to have airlines that go for for the 321 Neo A321 XLR, and they're going to buy smaller Airbus 320s. So then they're going to knock Boeing out of the 737 market. And you know, being in Airbus's uh, realm, it's more likely they'd buy Airbus wide bodies. So he thinks that if Air Boeing does not respond, uh, they risk losing 10 to 15 percentage points of global aircraft wow. share, which uh, would really upset the duopoly we have with Boeing and Airbus, essentially 50-50. I mean, it's leaned towards Airbus in recent years, but it's still very close. He thinks if Boeing doesn't respond, it could become something 70-30 in favor of Airbus. Wow. 70-30, really? Yes. Wow. So, I mean, we've reported on this a bunch. I mean, all sorts of people from Stephen Navarazzi at Air Lease Corp to now Richard Avalafia have said Boeing needs to come up with the an, an answer to the NMA. And um, new, or rather a new new variant of the NMA, because the NMA was, of course, their, their proposal that got canceled in January that's true. 2020. And right. Where I was going with that is that one of the first things in uh, the relatively new CEO of Boeing, Dave Calhoun, who took the job in the wake of the MAX crisis, um, one of the first things he did was to cancel the NMA program and say Boeing had to go back and figure engineers had to go back and figure something else out. Now, the NMA had been um, something that his predecessor, Muhlenberg, was was pretty big on. And um, and, you know, the, it, as we've reported, I mean, the Boeing doesn't have an aircraft in that space since the 757-767 programs ended. 
ended. And those were enormously popular aircraft, but uh, they're reaching the end of their useful life cycles. Delta said that they, they could keep the 767s and 757s around to the end of the 2020s. And, and De but Delta is probably one of the few airlines that really flies airlines to the end of their aircraft, to the end of their useful life. So really, the, you know, end of the 2020s is probably the outer outer edge of 757, 767 lifetime life, it, uh, cycles. Right. In terms of an aircraft um, uh, sort of planning process, the end of the 2020s is basically tomorrow. Um, right. Absolutely. I mean, because we're talking about an aircraft that isn't even on a piece of paper yet. It's not even a sketch on a, on a cocktail napkin. Um, so, you know, given that it takes about roughly 10 years for an uh, aircraft program to go from conception to certification, the end of the 2020s is tomorrow. Boeing's got to really move on this. They really do. And I asked Abulafi about that. I asked if there's time for Boeing to move on this, given, you know, I use generally five years to you know develop and get a new plane market that's on the optimistic end. But he said, yes, he's, he's talked to a number of customers, uh, airlines, and, and he says there's people out there who would like a Boeing, uh, you know, offering in the market and would be, you know, are still willing to order it at this point, even with an end of the 2020s entry into service timeline. Um, you know, in my own reporting, I know Delta Airlines is one of those carriers. They've said, uh, you know, they've told pilots and said internally that, they continue to talk to Boeing about a mid-market option, and, and they are keeping, like I said, their 57s and 67s around. But Delta is also a big Airbus operator. You know? yeah. uh, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, Boeing needs to, you know, what is it, get off the pot? And uh, I forget the, the maxim, but, you know, they need to get going because end of the 2020s is going to be here before we know it. Yes, the the first part of that ma that saying is not suitable for, for a <laughs> podcast, a family podcast. I mean... Although we probably said worse. Um, the, uh, now, one thing we reported on last year was that uh, Udvar Hazi pointed out that uh, Boeing's kind of got its hands tied as well by the propulsion manufacturers. I mean, we're in this place where there are some that say the gas turbine engine is reaching the end of its its development cycle and we have to move towards alter, alternative forms of propulsion, but no one knows what that is and no one knows what the next innovation beyond the geared turbofan will be. So if Boeing designs an aircraft now based on today's propulsion systems, Udvarhazi said, it could very well be obsolete or have a short service life when it finally enters into service. So it's kind of a tough spot for Boeing. They could, on the one hand, if they don't do the NMA as you as you just reported, they could lose. They could go to. We could have a seventy thirty situation that they don't want. But if they do, they could have an aircraft that no one wants by twenty thirty two. Which you know we're talking about an aircraft. Usually they have what about twenty five year life cycle and. And so that yeah, that's... playing the inner service in 2030 is going to be flying in 2050 yeah. know, at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Boeing has some hard t is in a hard spot right now, but you know they need to find a solution or, or really face you know, they've significant risks to their whole product line. And we saw that in in December's announcements from Qantas and KLM. You know, uh, Qantas especially mentioned the A321 XLR as a reason for its decision to to you know. The flip from um, all 737 narrowbody fleet to what will eventually be an all Airbus uh, narrowbody fleet. Oh, that is something. I mean, Bo Boeing's got some tough decisions to make, and it doesn't have an easy path forward with this. Um, so, 
I mean, we'd love to hear your feedback. Reach Ned at er at skiff.com or me at mu at skiff.com to tell us what you think about uh, Boeing's NMA and what it should do. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Now, speaking of Airbus orders, I mean, I uh, one of the things that we covered this week was Airbus used to be a press event in Toulouse, but they did it on the phone this year um, for its uh, orders and deliveries from last year. And um, Boeing put out its numbers, at least of deliveries, right afterwards. And uh, the, the proof is in the numbers, Ned. I mean, Airbus delivered almost double the number of aircraft that Air, uh, Boeing did last year. 611 that's right. Airbus, versus 340. That's right. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really the, it really a big split. Whereas the two airframers used to compete for, you know, who delivered the most aircraft in a year. It's, it's amazing to see Airbus pulling ahead so far. Now, of course, they've been ahead for a couple, a couple of years now. I mean, 2019 was hit by the max grounding, 2020 by the pandemic. And, uh, you know, 2021 is really the first year in two years that Boeing sort of been, Moving ahead with with all of their well, most of the aircraft. Well, the let's is, is stop there. The and that there. that's what yeah. I was going to say is that Boeing has some problems. And you know, Brett Snyder, the cranky flyer, uh, pointed out, put it encapsulated it really well this week. And 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 it's something we've been reporting on as well. I mean, Boeing, as you mentioned, the seven they only deliver Boeing only delivered fourteen seven eight sevens last year, fourteen, right? And and. Uh, airlines like American had to trim their summer international schedules because they didn't have enough seven eights. Um, the, so the FA is really, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, the FA uh, came under fire for the Max um, certification and and took some heat for the grounding, but um, the, but so the FA has got its its sights firmly trained on Boeing. So the the seven eight seven is stalled basically. The triple seven X, I mean, is now at least three years delayed, which has pissed off some of its uh, its biggest customers like Emirates. Emirates cough. <laughs> right, Emirates, exactly. And um, and uh, and meanwhile, the, oh, what am I leaving out? I mean, we've got the 787 delays, the 777X. Uh, so basically, oh, oh right, the, the, the 737-7 and Dash 10 still are in regulatory limbo. So basically, Boeing's buildings Dash 8s and Dash 9s. And delivering them, and that's that's all it's got going for it right now. Until until the FAA, you know, eases up a little bit, or, or Boeing manages to get aircraft certified. So it, it's it was a tough year. Now now I mean, to your something we both have covered is that Boeing did win at least one very interesting order at the end of, or earlier this year, right, or the first week of the year. And right, that, we spoke about it last week. The Allegiant Air order for yeah. up to a hundred, a uh, hundred maxes, fifty firm, fifty options. You were able to to listen to Allegiant Air, Allegiant's comments on that, and they made an interesting point, um, Madhu, about how they essentially, you know, Airbus has a backlog that goes out to the end of the decade, and you know they simply didn't want to have to wait for, for air, they couldn't wait for aircraft with their with their growth plans. So yeah, the max, that's right. You know, I mean that they said, I mean, Mari Gallagher, Allegiant, basically said we would have liked to be to continue buying three twenties, but given Airbus's backlog, uh, we can't. And in Monday's press call by Airbus. CEO Guillaume Fauré said, uh, and I probably butchered his name. Please, any francophones out there, you can you can email me at mu at skiff.com and tell me how crappy my French pronunciation is. Um, anyway, so Guillaume Fauré said uh, said uh, eh, 
what can we do, right? I mean, given its backlog now, I mean, uh, given its production rates now, Airbus has an 11-year backlog on the 320 program. Um, now, Airbus ex- does have plans to raise that ba- raise that production rate, but um, to 70 a month, which would be very impressive. But of course, uh, I remember you wrote Madhu, that Furry said that you know they aren't going to adjust their their backlog numbers until they actually achieve that. And of course, there's supply chain issues and all kinds of other yes. things go, that go into to raising production. For yeah, them. yeah, they have to work with their suppliers to make sure they can reach that very ambitious target. And and Furry doesn't want to overpromise, right? Uh, so they're keeping the the 11 year backlog in place until production rates rise and they can lower the ba- the length of time that the backlog will will take to exhaust um it makes it, me wonder if there's going to be any more uh surprising orders for air for boeing this year given given airbus's current backlog i mean can't say what what that would be at this point but you know allegiant wasn't really on many people's uh radars until it was announced so you know what else could be out there right and chief commercial officer airbus chief commercial officer christian sharer said basically said yeah I mean, it is what it is, right? The, the, they knew Allegiant would have would want to would walk away if they didn't get uh, their aircraft more quickly. But I mean, it's kind of a nice problem to have, right? I mean, they they lose a huge order, but they have an eleven year backlog. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> right, right. That's that's kind of a nice problem to have, and I mean, I'm sure they would think differently about that and would love to. One thing Shearer said though, and Farrie said as well, is that. Um, you know, if if you're Ned's Ned International Airlines and you want to buy 320s direct from the manufacturer, you're gonna to have to wait several years. But if you could probably find aircraft on the leasing market, and I wanted to, I actually wanted to ask what he was talking about, um, but they didn't get to my question in time. I mean, it's not like lessors can clean out the couch cushions and find 320s underneath them. Well, do. Well, do they? I mean, Lester's have significant order books of their own. And I mean, while I think a lot of them are placed for 2022, you, you listen to Lester's more. I don't think they're fully placed for, you know, several years out. So, I mean, versus waiting 11 years for a 320 Neo or getting it in, say, 2024, at least one in 20, you know, it's, it's still opportunity there for airlines that are willing to do that. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's just, uh, it, they're, they're, but, in other words, if you want a few A320s, you can go to the lesser market. But if you want a hundred, like Allegiant, then tough, right? You <laughs> yeah, got that's 11 not, not really enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know a single airline that went for a hundred leased aircraft. So, right. Yeah. All right, let's Ned. Let's squeeze in a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back. Ned, I want to talk to you about some of these schedule trimmings that we're seeing. I mean, Omicron. That's right. Yeah, yeah based on Omicron, no, right? Yeah, that's right, Mizu. It's, it's interesting. You know, Last week, we spoke about uh, airlines canceling flights due to Omicron over the holidays. But now it's it's become clearly a much more uh, widespread and disruptive issue. And the airlines are, are going forward and, and trimming their schedules uh, today, Wednesday. You know, Thin Air announced that they're cutting their schedules through February by 20%. They're delaying the launch of new service to Dallas-Fort Worth and uh, postponing returns to, I believe, Nagoya and Osaka. So, you know, and that's just the latest. Uh, there, you know, the list includes Virgin Australia and Transat and Alaska Airlines and JetBlue. Uh, so it's all over the world. It's it's really, it's uh, striking, you know, frankly. And if you have to boil it down, I mean, what what is it that's causing these, these airlines to to cut their schedules? 
What's happening is when people get COVID-19, whether or not they're you know severely ill, they have to quarantine at home for at least five days. In the U.S. CDC guidelines, five days. Uh, elsewhere, it probably goes up to 10 days or two weeks. But uh, you know that means staff member tests positive and they're out for the rest, essentially for the rest of the week. Right. And that's really hitting uh, hitting airlines. It's not like someone comes down with the flu, they're out for a day or two. It's suddenly they're off, and, and you know airlines are reporting uh, you know higher than normal uh, sick calls. Uh, and clearly, this is not what like an industrial action because it's happening at so many airlines around right. the world, especially as Omicron cases are surging. So, uh, yeah, it has big issues for, for staffing and stuff as airlines doesn't, you know, they don't know how many people they're going to have on any given day. Oh, this was one uh, interest, one striking fact that uh, I learned yesterday, Tuesday. Scott Kirby, CEO United, said at one point in the last few weeks, they had one third of all staff members at their Newark hub out sick wow. because of uh, COVID-19 infections, which is that's massive you know newark is a big hub for united so. and and as just it's important to know as we're recording this new the new york area is uh is one of the hardest hits hit in the u.s in terms of omicron um and and coronavirus infections but not necessarily hospitalizations and kirby got to that in his letter right yes yes you spoke about more in his letter but i that that fact jumped out at me yeah i thought well, one thing i thought that was striking about that letter is he said there were three thousand people out um or diagnosed with COVID-19 in United's workforce, but zero hospitalizations or zero deaths. Whereas zero deaths. before vaccinations, um, so 2020, 2021, on average one United employee per week was dying of COVID-19. So this, this is proof that, uh, that the vaccines work. Um, Absolutely. So, so Ned, I mean, to get back to the schedule cuts, um, it's mainly staffing. Is it a is it a case that you know airlines don't want to be caught where they were in December, where they promised to schedule and couldn't operate it thanks to weather and staffing? Is it is it like we're like Fowry and Shearer at uh at Airbus? Are they just and their backlog? Are they trying to deliver uh, under promise a little bit or or sort of cover their bases and not over promise as they did with the holidays? Is that what's going on? I think absolutely. You know, airlines, like you said, they don't want to have to, to cancel. Even if they're preemptively canceling the day before, they still have to manage that, you know, the disruptive travelers, the crews, how, well, I guess crews are out sick, but, you know, how to get the travelers home and everything. Uh, we remember Alaska Airlines with, uh, you know, with storms and Omicron over the holidays, you know, asked people to delay any non-essential travel until after after the holidays. So I think airlines absolutely they they want to get their they want to get their operations back to you know 99.5% uh, completion factors or better, uh, and to do that uh, with you know, the unknown of how many staff members are going to be out at any time they they're pulling back schedules. I'd like to point out also that you know one thing in this is is we all have expected uh, you know Omicron to dampen demand going into the new year. You know airlines said this in December as Omicron was first you know you know spiking up that after the holidays, they were unsure about demand. So it's, I have to say, like, I think it's kind of convenient that airlines are now pruning schedules. Like, they're blaming staff, uh, you know, staff out, at, you know, staff being out sick, but it sort of dovetails with the time when many expected demand to, to be a little weaker than initially forecast as well. So right. it's, um, I, I say there's probably a, a bunch of issues with, with Omicron sort of at the center of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and the first quarter, it's also important to note that the first quarter is always a weak quarter for, for Northern Hemisphere. For the Northern, yeah, the Northern yeah. Hemisphere. Uh, 
Huh. So, so what do you think? I mean, if you had to look into your crystal ball, Ned, I know you're not, uh, you're not a fortune teller, but, uh, what do you think? I mean, so just as Omicron was making itself known last year, at the end of last year, there are a lot of analysts who said, we will see a pattern that we saw with Delta with a, an immediate slump in, in demand, lots of cancellations, people putting off their trips because they're scared. And then it sort of comes back up um, as people look beyond the variant, say two, one, two, three months out and plan travel. I mean, are we seeing that kind of pattern now? I mean, I haven't, we'll find out more when Delta announces its results this week, but um, what do you, what are you hearing? I mean, I get the sense that all the data that I've seen with Omicron is cases spike and then they fall off quickly. And uh, as I've read, uh, various medical professionals have said, you know, basically everyone gets Omicron and, yeah. and you know, then it passes. I did. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you got it. Um, you know, it's it's uh, Dr. Fauci in the U.S. I think said everyone's going to get Omicron yeah. uh, just earlier this week. So, you know, I it, it seems like that would be the case. I know I'm still planning travel for later this spring and for the summer. You know, it's uh, it's. It seems like it's going to pass as the past variants have. And, and CEOs, uh, you, know, I, you know, quoting Scott Curry to death, has said that, you know, it's going to slow down, but then it's going to come back even stronger than before. And I think that's what airlines are really hoping for as they look towards spring break and summer travel. They are hoping for it. But, you know, as as many have said and we've said before, this uh, this virus is unpredictable. You can have the clearest crystal ball on the face of the planet. I mean, who would have foreseen? Remember, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, but January of 2021, summer was going to be great. Then there's this thing called Delta. You know, business travel was going to come back in September, but Delta saw, saw the end of that. Holiday travel is going to be great. And right after Thanksgiving, there's this thing called Omicron. So um, it's, it'll, you know, we, we, I'm not predicting anything because. But like we said, like we said last week, Madhu, at some point uh, this year, you know, analysts expecting airlines to just and and society to just yes get used to living with uh, COVID. You know, and that you know probably mean you know who knows what that means, but there comes a point at which that just the uncertainty of the pandemic just becomes part of the normal planning oh, process. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it'll go to being endemic and endemic rather, but. Uh, but uh, you know, this is and everything I've heard from public health officials and and um, even airline industry analysts is this is all hinged on on the hope that the next variant and there will be another variant is not more virulent and not more um, lethal, right? So right. we we got I don't want to say lucky because it's still a disease and it was kind of miserable even though I'm vaccinated and boosted and what have you um, wasn't fun. Um, but we got a little bit lucky with Omicron because it's less lethal or, you know, it, it's, it's more transmissible, but not as um, dangerous as previous variants. So let's just hope the next variant is in that same vein and not something worse. Absolutely, Madhu. All right. Well, let's... with that, I think we, we need to, to wrap things up. It's always a pleasure, Madhu, to sit down and, and chat about the week week behind us uh, looking forward to earnings and if uh, listeners would like to reach out you can reach Madhu at mu at skip.com and reach myself at er at skip.com thank you again for joining us thank you Ned thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast should you have comments or questions drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skip.com of course Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.